Hello, everybody. It's time once again for another exciting episode of True Crime on Easy Street. My name is Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens, and I'm not a lawyer. My name is Scott Wright, and I'm a mediocre journalist. And here we are once again. This is season two, episode three. I'm excited. Three is the magic number. Is it? Isn't that in there a song? Wait, I remember. Now, Um, one is the loneliest number. And three is the magicest number. It takes two, baby. Uh Uh-huh. And then there's three is the magic number. Is that not right? Three is the magic number. Uh, Is that not a song? Uh, Did you? Hmm. What did you have to drink before you came here tonight? Because I I know what I had to drink before I came here tonight. This is a diet soda. (laughs) Sure it is. She's drinking a diet grapeco. And they're the best. Yeah, they're not a sponsor, but if they were with vodka in it, maybe. (laughs) And they're not a sponsor either, but we're still working on that. (laughs) Poured it directly into the can here. Uh, So welcome, everybody. We are so happy to be here. We're happy that you're with us. Uh Uh-huh. And... We have some exciting news. Guys. We do? We have merch. <gasps> we do have merch. Ding, ah, we, have, we have merch. Yeah. I wish we had sound effects. I probably could do that, but. Would it be like, like little, cash? Would it be like. like yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. coins falling out of a slot machine in Vegas. Kind of a sound effect. Kind yes. of a thing. Jingling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. So, so let, we should tell everybody uh-huh. how do you get merch. Valentine's Day is swiftly approaching. Scott, don't look so shocked. <laughs> You've lost me, but Valentine's I'm Day, sure you're going somewhere with this. Valentine's Day is swiftly approaching. And <laughs> if you love someone, you will buy them a true crime on easy street. <laughs> Just t-shirt. right to the pulling the heartstrings. I am. The first day we have a box of t-shirts, you're there's, pulling the heartstrings. There's red on the shirt. There Fine. sure is. Well, red is the color of love. And blood. <laughs> We're doing a true crime podcast here. That's true. Yeah. So we have t-shirts available. If you would like to check out these t-shirts and see what they look like. They're awesome. You can go to our newly established website that Scott has done an incredible job on. Oh, thanks. He sure has. I know. I love it. Um, TrueCrimeOnEasyStreet.com. That's it. It's easy as that. It is very yeah. easy. You can download it onto your phone. Mm-hmm. You can put a bookmark on your homepage on your phone or your smartphone device. Yep. And just as soon as you touch it, you can see all about us. Yep. And it's our little logo. Yeah. Yep. So you can click on, what's the link that you click on on the website? Does it say merchant, merchandise? Merchandise. Yeah. Merchandise. <laughs> I spelled that. it all out just because I wanted everybody to know that I knew how to spell it. Oh, that's great. Since I didn't know how to spell anchor. So you click on that and you can take a look at the shirt. And if you are interested in a shirt, then show up tonight to our live show on Easy Street at 730. On January the 19th. Yeah, tonight when this drops. Right. Tonight. And you show up there and you bring $20 and we will exchange a $20 bill for a shirt. I'm just saying somebody may be listening to this for the first time in June or July. And they oh, yeah. show up and like, where's my fucking t-shirt? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So January the 19th, 2022. Hopefully we will be out of t-shirts by June or July. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But y'all know we're there every other Wednesday. So if you... Right. We have a live show every other Wednesday. You can visit our social media. You can visit uh, our website. That's one thing that we do not have posted on the website that you guys just made me realize that we probably need to fix. There probably needs to be a calendar that just says, here's when we're at Easy Street Restaurant Bar and Performance Hall. Oh, yeah. We're going to do that. I'm on it. Okay. So the calendar will be available very soon. You can see see when we're going to be there. And you can come and we will swap you a $20 bill for a shirt. Yeah. You hand me a 20 I hand you a shirt. Yeah, and listen, don't try to screw with us. We've got one of those markers. We're going to know if it's a fake $20 bill. It's a very simple exchange process. So, yeah. So. No cards, no letters. Show your Valentine just how much you love them this year with a True Crime on Easy Street t-shirt. I love it. I don't know any better way to celebrate. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) I don't either. And with our fans, this is exactly how they want to spend Valentine's Day. Yeah. They want to listen to us and they want to wear our merch. I love it. Yep. And probably having a uh, glass of their favorite beverage at restaurant, uh, at the restaurant across the street. Yes. 
So I'm good with that. Is it really across the street? I think it's right. It's across a parking lot. Yeah. Even I could hit a golf ball and hit this building and I'm terrible at golf. (laughs) Trust me. So Scott, are you uh, elbows deep in the NFL playoff? Well, I was until last night at about 11 o'clock when uh, my Steelers did exactly what I assumed that they were going to do, which was uh, lay an egg Mm -hmm. because we just, we're not very good. We're not. I mean, I love Ben Roethlisberger, but it's time for him to shuffle off into retirement and let's build a new Steelers organization. We have a brand new running back from uh, Alabama. Najee Harris is a rookie this year. Mm-hmm. So we've got a we've got a really good defense. Our offensive line is, you know what? You guys don't want to hear this. This is another show for another time. You're, <laughs> I don't want people to think they're tuned into an ESPN show by accident. I know. But yeah, we suck. Well, but we're working on it. I mean, it, it's fun to watch. And I'm not like giving up. Place. I never do. If I didn't give up in 88 when Bubby Brister was the quarterback of the Steelers, I'm never going to. Trust me. Look it up. You've well, lost everyone. At the- I know. You have. You have. Sorry. Scott, I completely understand where you're coming from. I am an Auburn fan. Oh, yeah. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, it's all you Auburn fans out there. Oh. But I will love I love. I love them forever. I understand. Same so, here. here Same go. here. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're going to set the table tonight. And our uh, the case that we're going to talk about takes place in uh, at least it begins in 1976 on January the 18th of 1976. The Pittsburgh Steelers won Super Bowl 10 against the Dallas Cowboys. They won that game 21 to 17 in Miami. It was the second Super Bowl win in a row for my Steelers, and just concreted the fact, cemented the fact that I was going to be a Steelers fan for the rest of my life when they won two Super Bowls in a row when I was a child. Anyway, so they went on to win several more Super Bowls, and uh, that made me a Steelers fan. But that happened on January the 18th, 1976. And just three days later, the very first commercial flight of the Concorde took place. And those uh, uh, those two trips on the Concorde were from London to Bahrain, and then also from Paris to Rio de Janeiro. I guess I didn't. They yeah. know my they, aviation history. They yeah. retired it. They did. What, what year did they retire? Do you remember? Yeah, mid to late eight, uh, 2000s because yeah, there was a crash. Recently. Well, they stopped taking care of it the way that they should. The maintenance guys didn't do oh. their thing. They, they cut the budget. And then one day it ran over something on a, uh, on a runway during takeoff in Paris and crashed into a hotel and killed about 20 people. And they said, you know what? Today's a good day to just not do this anymore. I mean, we'd rather just shut the whole thing down than just have proper maintenance. Well, they were half-assing it to start with, yeah, or at the end there anyway. Uh, On March the 22nd of 1976, you may have heard of this film, Star Wars commenced principal photography in the the country of Tunisia. I've heard of the the film. Right? (laughs) R2-D2, C-3PO, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a thing, and that's when they started it. Uh... Uh, over in Tunisia, in Africa. On April the 1st, Apple Computer was formed by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, and boy, did they get the last laugh on that April Fool's Day because we all have an Apple iPhone in our pockets today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good for them. On the 13th of April, the United States Treasury Department reintroduced the $2 bill as a Federal Reserve note on Thomas Jefferson's 233rd birthday uh, in order to celebrate the United States Bicentennial which was 1976. That was the 200th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence being adopted. Uh, And a lot of things happen. Uh, The next thing is July the 4th, of course, the big celebration in New York Harbor and everywhere else in the country. I don't know if you guys remember that. I I was six years old. You don't remember it. You don't remember it. I vaguely remember it. I just remember there being fireworks, but there's been so many fireworks on July the 4th in my life that I can't really disassociate that particular July the 4th from any of the rest. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whatever. I don't like the way you responded to that. No, no I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying, but I, I do not remember this. Sounds like a great day. Yeah. yeah, we're not friends anymore. On July the 12th, Family Feud debuted on ABC. Does anybody remember the name of the man who was the host of Family Feud when it debuted? He kissed every woman on the show. Oh, my. Back I do in, love Family Feud, but back that in the sounds day. inappropriate. Yeah, well, it, it is now, but Richard Dawson was the host, and he had the he had the British accent. He was one of those actors who was on uh, Hogan's Heroes back in the day. Yes. So they gave him that job, and he did it very well for a long time. Uh, on July the 29th, the very first Son of Sam killing took place in New York City. That 
lasted mm-hmm. for a year. And have you guys seen that documentary on Netflix called Sons, plural, of Sam? Because there is this theory that there was not, that, that David Berkowitz was not the only son of Sam Killer, that it was a group of people who did it. And the other guys sat in vans across the parking lot and filmed these murders. Nobody's ever found the footage, but that is speculation that you can read about and, and watch about if you watch the Sons of Sam Netflix. I'll have to watch. I've not watched that. But it sounds uh, interesting. Well, what kind of true crime turds are you guys if you haven't watched that? And that's um, probably the only one that I've actually watched. <laughs> so we're, it's even. So on September the 13th of 1976, for the very first time in the United States of America, you could turn on your television and watch an episode of The Muppet Show. Oh, very nice. It had premiered in the uh, United Kingdom earlier in the year, but it got syndicated and sent over here. And that, I was dumbstruck by that. I just assumed that the Muppets are an American icon. I did not know. But apparently it premiered in the UK before we got to see it. I love the Muppets. And when I was young, I really loved the Muppets. I had Muppet bed sheets. Did you really? I did. Oh, that's an awesome story. Who was your favorite? Animal. Really? By far. Fozzie Bear, waka, waka, waka. <laughs> he tells really those great hard. jokes. I mean, I love Animal. I love his eyeballs. They get really Oh, big. yeah, sure. And then they, and then, well, oh, God, I Fozzie's love so jokes funny. were almost as good as mine growing up. So, <laughs> yeah, and we all know how good Fozzie's jokes now were. Now we need those sound effects again. Yeah, yeah we do. Uh, and, the, <laughs> and the last thing in January, I'm sorry, in 1976, in December, Hotel California, the album by the Eagles was released. Very good. Album. Uh, Don and Glenn and Timothy B. Schmidt and Joe Walsh and Don Felder. Was he a member of the Eagles back then? Anyway, one of the most iconic albums in the history of rock and roll music. Incredible album. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on December the 8th, 1976. And I have nothing else. I think that if I'm, <laughs> if I remember what we talked about yesterday via text message, you were going to uh, get in this car Put your seatbelt on, back us out of the driveway, head us in a direction, and at some point, you and I are going to trade places at a rest stop, and I'm going to finish this story. Is that correct? Yes, and by you, he means Kelly. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. pointing at me. Yeah, sorry. Nobody else can see what I'm doing. I forget that we don't have uh, right. cameras right. in here. That's okay. I'm, I'm just going to briefly start us off, give okay. us a little history of who we're talking about today, and then Scott's going to take over. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> we'll make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week... We are discussing the Kyle Klinkscales case. And uh, if you've been checking out the news recently, you may have seen something about this. So I know Scott's going to cover all of that. So let me get started with Kyle. Kyle was a 22-year-old Auburn University student in 1976. Guys, we're back in Auburn. That's okay. I feel like we've been there a lot. Well, the Alabama connection is one of the draws of the show, right? I know. So that there's Auburn there, University. I, yeah. I promise. Please don't think that Auburn University is a dangerous place because we've covered this oh, so yeah. much. Yeah, it's really not. I spent four wonderful years there. It's a great place. It is a great um, place. Anyways, Kyle Klinkscale was a Klinkscales was a 22 year old Auburn University student in 1976. He was a previous college dropout, and he was going to go back to accomplish his goal of earning that coveted college degree. Kyle had dropped out the previous year after difficulty with the demands of academic life. And so far, this new attempt at going back to college was proving difficult as well. His grades were not very good at all. Now, his parents, John and Louise Klinkscales, were frustrated, but they were not overly concerned. When their son, Kyle, did not attend his classes at Auburn University during the week of January the 27th, 1976. So what they thought, John and Louise, they believed that their son was basically secluding himself, reflecting on his struggles. Grades are not optimal. They believe that Kyle's going to come out of his seclusion, come out of his shell, wherever he was, and then they were going to support him, and then he was going to decide to either continue on with college or do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, again, like I said, he was a student at Auburn University for the second time. He worked part-time as a bartender at the Moose Club in his hometown of LaGrange, Georgia. Now, LaGrange, Georgia is near the Alabama line, not very far from Auburn. So a quick 
describe there. So he leaves the bar after finishing his shift at approximately 11 p.m. on January the 27th. He was going to drive the 35 miles to Auburn, but then he didn't go to class any that week. He was not seen. So on February the 3rd, when they still have no word from Kyle, his parents report him missing. The police investigation yielded few clues suggesting of what happened to him. Uh, and that is about it on the background. Hey, that's great. I mean, when you were, I didn't know any of that. When you were talking about the fact that I was going to back us out of the driveway, mm-hmm. that's literally all I had. I, I backed us out of the driveway. I'm going to get out. And you get yeah, the and then seat. it's like you jerked it into drive and dove out the driver's side door, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and now I don't Take know over, how hurry. I can't reach the hurry. pedal from here. <laughs> so this is this is the background that you can find, and I think because this case. Um, began in 1976, and this was quite a few years ago. Uh, there's not a whole lot of information out there. There's a book that the father has written. Mm-hmm. But you, there's, you can't get a hold of it. Well, you can if you've got $997 burning a hole in your pocket. Wait, because I found, I found a copy of the book. I, I guess it's just he probably printed 500 copies self-published the book, handed them out in the community just to try to create some... Uh, some what's the word I'm looking for? Some, some scuttlebutt, buzz. some buzz. Yeah, because there's no. Hopefully, somebody would hear something or know something and right say there's, something. There's absolutely no evidence because what I just told you is basically what everybody knows about Kyle, and Kyle has not been seen since. Uh, and here we are, 2022. So yep. Scott, take it from here. Well, the story had a couple of different iterations that lasted through the years, but none of them were very long-lived. Things would pop up, and, and they would be shot down immediately uh, because nobody knew where Kyle was. Nobody knew where his car was. Nobody. There was a lot of scuttlebutt in LaGrange, Georgia. It's just like one of those cases, and every community has them. Something weird happened 30 years ago, and everybody's heard so many stories about it by now that the truth is washed away and will never be found again. Unless you find his car in a creek in Alabama. And when did that happen? That happened on December the 7th, 2021. Um, A gentleman was driving over a bridge on County Road 83 uh, in, I'm going to mess up the county. What county was it? It was was Chambers County, Alabama. Uh, A guy was driving over a bridge and he saw the back of a hatchback he thought maybe sticking up out of the water, like a a car, a two door car with a hatchback, like something that maybe was built in 1974 called a Ford Pinto runabout, which is Kyle Klinkscale's vehicle. Exactly. The vehicle that he was seen leaving the Moose Club Lodge in LaGrange, Georgia. And on January the 27th, 1976, nobody had seen that car for 45 years. And then all of a sudden, go How does ahead. it just pop up out of the water? I've been thinking about this a lot for the last couple of weeks. I think that either that car was in the water for 40 years and eventually the latch that held that hatchback down just rusted through and the hatchback popped up, popped up. Or maybe the, the hydraulics that held the hatchback down finally leaked out and it popped up. Because if you look at the photo that you can go to right now on your uh, on Google or wherever. Well, we'll post it to our social media. Yeah, we'll put it on. But it's very clear that the the half of that hatchback of that 1974 Ford Pinto runabout, white in color, all of a sudden stuck, was sticking up out of the water. It was open. It was open. Because you, it, it's just, it's so much cleaner than the rest of the car. And maybe it was up for a day. Maybe it was up for a week. Maybe it was up for a month. But that was the first thing that leapt out at me about this story. Because it just seems like somebody had intended, let me rephrase that. Nobody was ever going to find that car until that hatchback popped up out of the water. Nobody was looking. Nobody was looking in this place for mm-hmm. it. Because it was about three miles away from where. Kyle Klinkscales would have driven from LaGrange to go to Auburn. He got off at exit 70 on I-85, which existed in 1976. A lot of interstate were still being built in, uh, built in the South, but that is one stretch of interstate that existed then. So he took I, uh, the, the number 70 exit off of I-85, headed towards Auburn, mm-hmm. uh, and headed towards the town of Cusita, 
I learned that that was pronounced today. C-U-S-S-E-T-A. It's a town of about 150 people uh, in southeast Alabama. And it's where Pat Garrett, who shot and killed Billy the Kid, was born in 1850. I stumbled across. Well, that's an interesting one. He wasn't where he was supposed to be, mm-hmm. but only by three miles. Maybe he decided, maybe he knew a friend up the road. Maybe he there was a truck stop. Maybe or the he car to... now is not where he was supposed to be anyway. Correct. So we don't know exactly how that car got there. And therein lies the rub because nobody knew where this guy was for 45 years. And all of a sudden his car is there. And when the uh, Chambers County Sheriff's Department calls the folks over in Troop County, Georgia, and says, hey, um, are you guys looking for a white 1974 Ford Pinto? Somebody hits the panic button in Troop County because everybody's been looking for that white Ford Pinto for 45 years and somebody's finally found it. So it's full of mud. Uh, There are some bone fragments in it. They find a wallet that has Kyle Klinkscale's identification. Uh, a couple of credit cards. And so the pieces of this puzzle maybe are starting to come together. The GBI gets involved. It's not, it, we're not going to know exactly what the story about that DNA is for DNA as in like from the bones, from the bones that they found in the vehicle, because now, uh, you know, that technology is so much more uh, further advanced than it was mm-hmm. then, of course. Um, but it's going to be a little while before we know. So sometime in the future, hopefully we will be able to give an update about exactly the outcome of this case and what it was. Right now, they're still trying to figure it out. But that's what happened all of a sudden on December the 7th, 2021. Right? And that's been widely reported on. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. If you have the Atlanta affiliates on your uh, satellite and you watch Channel 11, they've done a fantastic job because a lot of the documentary or the uh, newscasts that I've watched in the last few days Uh, originate at 11 Alive. But what that stirred up is the fact that for all of this time that Kyle Klinkscales has been missing in LaGrange, there have been several theories about exactly what happened to him. There, the uh, former district attorney of Troop County, and I'm going to try to get this name right. uh, It looks Greek. Pete Skandalakis. I'm just trying to think of the way that Zach Galifianakis pronounces his name, the actor that we Mm-hmm. are familiar from, from mm-hmm. the Hangover movies. And I said Hangover and tried not to wink at Kelly when I said that. <coughs> anyway, and I should have been, and I should have been winking at Katie the whole time. Wink at yourself, Scott. Yeah, wink exactly. Yourself. Fair enough. Anyway, so uh, former district attorney Pete Skalikanakis thinks that they will never know what happened. There's, it's too much time has passed. Nobody's ever going to know. The former sheriff of Troop County, Georgia, thinks he knows exactly what happened. And he says, somebody killed him. Somebody shot him and killed him over a gambling debt. That's the, the, we don't know exactly what the money situation was, but we're going to find out that somebody saw him supposedly, allegedly, if I'm using the right word, get shot one night and have his body hauled away and hidden for years. Wait, there's a person that's like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. that's been told forever that he, exactly. It was witnessed. Yes. What? But the guy is so unbelievable, at least according to what I've read, he's told so many different stories about what happened that night, and was he really there or not, and he was a teenager at the time, and he kept his mouth shut for 25 years, and all of a sudden, he knows exactly what happened. So it's just one of those situations where nobody really knows exactly. So who is this guy? Are you going to discuss him? Yeah, I'm I'm getting there. Let me, let me, let me, no, no, you're fine. Um, So he was headed back to Auburn. I wanted to mention something about the Moose Club. I didn't know anything about the Moose Club, and that's the bar that Kyle was working at the night that he disappeared. It's a private club. Uh, you can't go into the Moose Club unless you are a member, uh, but you can go in as a guest. Katie, if I'm a member and you want to come in with me, I can sign you in, but you have to leave when I leave. Is it like a fancy place, or is it like a, a private place, as in, I know a lot of places are private, so they can stay open longer. But I think that's probably what part of this is. It's just, a, you, you you know, you, maybe it was in a dry county, even. I don't know if LaGrange, whatever, I guess Troop County, Georgia, maybe it was dry at the time, but you could have private clubs and have... Mm alcohol-related events. I know that was a thing here when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not saying any more than that. When they found the car, the folks in Chambers County, Alabama, called and said, hey, what do you think? 
and they did the VIN number and the tag number, and yeah, it's the car. So they get it out. The GBI gets involved. Uh, they're looking through to find anything that they can. Like I said, they found the, uh, the the wallet and some credit cards. We won't know any more about that for a little while, but when the story came back up again, all of these people who had spent most of their law enforcement careers being very familiar with this case, their hackles are up again, and all of these old stories come back up again. People start to remember that there was a guy in the 80s who, Kelly, you know the story. Tell me about this person. Okay. In 1981, a man named Danny Moore contacted John and Louise Klinkscales. And remember, John and Louise are the parents of Kyle Klinkscales. And so that in 1981, Danny Moore contacted them and said he believed that he was Kyle. He identified himself as their son. He told them that he had gotten into a car accident in 1976, which was the year of Kyle's disappearance. He claimed he was unable to remember any of his life before the accident. Uh, Danny appeared to be the same age as Kyle. He bore a physical resemblance to him. Okay, that was my next question. Okay. Dental records, however, confirmed that he was not Kyle. Um, a little bit more into Danny's history. Uh, Danny suffered a traumatic brain injury at some point in his life. Mm. And police have stated that they believe that Danny was sincere in coming forward with this. In his okay. belief that he might have been. Yes. Okay. He has, of course, like we said, a traumatic brain injury and truly believed that he might have been Kyle Klinkscale. So he was not trying. You know, you see so many incidences where someone goes missing and then the family is just tortured by people who will make these false claims or or they'll prank call the family or they'll, you know, lead them on trying mm-hmm. to get money. Right. This. Uh, individual Danny, Danny Moore is his last name. Uh, police think that he truly believed. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. So that's so but he was proven not to be. So no malicious intent there. No malicious intent. So the the, the incident, Clink uh, Scales misses. Uh, he goes missing in seventy six. This is in the eighties. Fast forward to nineteen ninety six. And investigators in Troop County received some information, and it's very vague in the article that I read about exactly where that information came from. Well, it is right now. Uh, But someone overheard two men, and their names were Ray Hyde and Jimmy Slim Jones. We're going to call him Slim for the rest of the show. That was his nickname. Slim and Ray. Slim and Ray. They were talking about the death of Kyle Klinkscales, and the story that was overheard was enough for the local authorities to get a search warrant for Ray Hyde's property because he owned a junkyard in Troop County, Georgia, somewhere close to LaGrange. Um, and so they got a search warrant. The, the search warrant, based on what I have read, is, was very specific. You couldn't just dig up the entire junkyard. You had to get, if you thought it was between the two big trees, you know, under this tire swing or whatever. Oh, so it, it's kind of like a, a search warrant for a home, too. It has yeah, to be very specific. specific. Okay. So it's not like they could just turn over the whole junkyard, but where they looked, where they found, where they had heard that maybe there was might be there might be a, a white 1974 Ford Pinto runabout buried, there was not one. How close is his property to where the car was found? Well, I mean, he lived in LaGrange. Oh, or so this the, the this junkyard was in LaGrange. So it was like a home. This was part of the hometown. Okay. So the theory was that maybe Kyle never left his hometown because remember, they didn't find the car until a month ago. Yeah. Six Did, weeks ago. Uh, Nobody was, knew where anything was. Was Ray Hyde a member of this Moose Club? Where I did not get that okay. far into okay. my research. Um, but he was a nefarious person, apparently, because he'd been in some trouble before. Because when they, uh, when they conducted the search warrant, they didn't find what they were looking for, but they did find a firearm on Mr. Hyde, on Ray, and so they locked his ass up for being a felon in possession of a firearm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he was a felon, but he was, and so they locked him up. All right. And apparently, while he was incarcerated that night, he was overheard saying on the telephone to a female person that he called, he said, and I'm quoting, according to the newspaper article, I'm in jail, they got me, and I'm going down, unquote. We'll never know what that means because uh, he has since passed away, but there, he's, he still figures in the story for a bit longer before, he, before we get to that. Um, 
So there was no car found. There was nothing that helped them get to the bottom of the Kyle Klinkscale's disappearance at the time. And I always wondered, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. Maybe this Hyde guy, maybe Ray and Slim thought, boy, they're getting too close to us. We've got to dig this car out of the ground in this in an area of the junkyard that they weren't allowed to dig in with the search warrant. We got to get that car away from us. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you put it on a rollback trailer and drive it an hour southwest and dump it off in a creek somewhere, but mm-hmm. stranger things have happened, I guess. And that's just speculation on my part. Who knows? So uh, looking at this article, I have an article here online, uh, my truecrimestories.com, and they, they cover this, this history here. Uh, according to this particular website, uh, Ray Hyde was a member of the Moose Club, where Kyle worked. Aha! Another connection. Mm-hmm. It seems like some other mediocre journalist dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> well, and, and they, At least I'm not alone. According to this um, article, they believe that Kyle may have been murdered because of his knowledge of Hyde's criminal activity. Yeah, there was some speculation that I read that he was a bartender. Kyle was a bartender at this Moose Private Club. club. Mm-hmm. So there was speculation that maybe he was just, you know, spitting and shining his shot glasses and he's standing too close to these two uh, criminal element characters, uh, Ray and Slim, who are sitting at the end of the bar talking about their next heist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he overhears it and hears too much. And they're like, we got to get rid of this guy. Mm-hmm. So one of the several stories that has circulated in the LaGrange, Georgia for decades about what might have happened to Kyle Klingscales. Uh, anyway, so the neighbors talked about it. There was some discussion about the fact there was a lake on the, uh, on Ray Hyde's property out where his junkyard was. And there was this, uh, sometimes in the winter time when the water got low, you would see the edge of like a 55 gallon drum sticking up out of the water. And at some point, according to stories that were told years later, Somebody had to go out there one day and dig a hole in the middle of the lake when it's half full of water and make sure that that 55-gallon drum no longer stuck up out of the water at when the water was low. Uh, and so they believe that could have been... Some speculation that his body might have been in that 55-gallon drum. And later on, the, the authorities uh, conducted a search warrant uh, in that area as well and found a spot where the whole entire bottom of the lake was very smooth except for this one area where it was obvious that something had sat for a long time and it had been metal. But it was no longer there. It was no longer there. Hmm. And so there was a story that was told in 2005, and this was a phone call that took place. Let me make sure I got this right. In 2004, a person called the Clink Scales, John and Louise, okay. and said, I know where your son is. Wow. That's when the authorities in Troop County got the permission, or maybe a warrant, I guess, to go out and look at what was going on in the middle of that lake. He was gone then. Or, or the, the, the 55-gallon drum was gone then. They never found anything. Because when you talk to Skandalakis, he, he's interviewed saying, I was involved in all of these searches, all of these search warrants. We never found anything. We thought we had good information every time and we could never find anything. So they're following up on all of these tips and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they can't find anything to... I, I think there's enough of a spotlight on this case in LaGrange, Georgia, that nobody's willing to be the DA who says, you know what? Screw this. I'm not even going to dig into it. It's, yeah, it's, they're, they're it's old stuff. Everything. Yeah, I, I'm not even... Yeah, every time this comes up, they want to try and get to the bottom of it, especially since uh, the parents were both still alive mm-hmm. in 2007. It, it turns out that John Klinkscales passed away from a heart attack in 2007, mm. and his mother just passed away a, about a year ago. Yeah, oh, recent, no. very recently. And at this time, you said this was 2004 when they received this. Four or five, says the newspaper article that I found. So I'm showing that uh, Hyde, Ray Hyde, died in 2001. Is that what you have? Um, I just know that he died. I, I have notes that say that he passed away before any of this ever got figured out. Yeah, that's correct. Because his his relatives mm-hmm. gave the authorities permission to look into that pond. He had already passed that's away. That's when they looked yes, into that. Yes, that is correct. So do you think that this caller finally now feels comfortable enough 
Is that what kind of what they're thinking with him being gone or, or what? Maybe. Well, that's, that's a theory that I hadn't considered, but here's the thing. The other thing that the story that this kid told, and he, it turns out that he was like uh, seven years old at the time. And he was riding a bicycle in the front yard at Ray Hyde's house. And this is the story. I'm going to tell you the story that this kid told the authorities and you guys can do with it what you will. So what the seven-year-old kid told the authorities led them to call a 16-year-old relative who he said was there at the same time. So the seven-year-old is riding his bike in the front yard. The 16-year-old is working on a car in the yard. He's underneath the car changing the oil or whatever. And the authorities use what the seven-year-old talked to them about to question the 16-year-old. And the 16-year-old pretty much told them the same story that the seven-year-old did. Some gunshots were fired. A body got dragged out of the yard. Something murderous happened. And the seven-year-old or the 16-year-old, are either one of them giving us any kind of inclination as to the time of day? No. That this happened. Not that I recall. I mean, okay. I, I didn't see anything about whether it was daylight or dark or because it's or, definitely dark when he leaves the Moose Club. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's ele- ten eleven o'clock at night. So, and so I get you what you mean it, about it. Can't be that same night. You would think exactly because okay, you're people seven are not going to be out in the yard like that. You're you're working on a car, and this is and it's January. It's, it's cold. January. I mean, I know it's the South, but it's still cold. Oh I mean, yeah. Today it's a January day in Alabama, and the high was thirty eight. Yeah, it's cold. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. So I, I'm very curious. Anyways, I'll, I'll. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's ten days. I mean, this happened on the 27th of January. Today is the 17th of January, and it's cold as a. It's cold. It's cold today, for to me. For us. Yeah. For, for us. us. Okay. All right. So. 34 degrees is cold. This happened. We we can get a sense of if they're saying. So we've got two people. We've got a seven year old and a sixteen year old basically saying the same thing. In fact, one of them even says that the teenager's grandmother yelled out to. Hide at one point and said, "Do not shoot that boy again." Do not shoot that boy again. Yes, grandmother yelled that. The grandmother of the sixteen-year-old shouted out across the yard, "Do not shoot that boy again." Now, how do they know Hyde? Sixteen-year-old. They're all in the same yard. These are all relatives. Okay. The seven-year-old, the sixteen-year-old, and Hyde and Jones and are, grandmother and grandmother are all hanging out. Okay. According to the story. According to the story. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and, and yes, by that time, by the time this story all came out, uh, Hyde had been dead for several years. So the only person that they had left to speak with was Slim Jones. And this is where we get to an area where Slim tells several different stories about what happens. Initially, he doesn't remember anything. He left to get beer. Uh, at one point, he says, yeah, I think maybe Hyde was there. I don't know how Clink Scales died, but he was there too. And there was some story about how Clink Scales was supposed to retrieve a bag of money and drop it off at Hyde's house. Maybe there was an argument. Maybe there was some disagreement about the amount of money that was in the bag. Because Jones eventually tells a story about where Hyde shoots clink scales. They drag him into out of the yard, maybe into a barn or a shed. And then Hyde goes over to the back of clink scales car and retrieves a bag of money that supposedly he was supposed to collect for someone else. If you believe Jones at this point, because he's changed his story so many times that it's just so cloudy and murky. It's muddier than the waters that they found his car in. Mm. It's really just who's nobody's ever going to know what happened to Kyle Klinkscales except for Kyle Klinkscale. But that's kind of where it's going on. And the, and one of the big problems was that they had this this big junkyard. They couldn't find, you know, it was it, the the officers say it was so big, it was so massive. Trees were growing up out of old cars. They were stacked 3 and 4 high. Uh transmissions piled on top of engines. You guys don't remember what Burt Cobia's junkyard looked like in Cedar Bluff, Alabama when in the late seventies and early eighties, but listen, it was God awful. And I can, every time I read this, I think about how bad Burt Cobia's junkyard stunk up the town of Cedar Bluff for 30 years. Mm. And I think about what this place must've looked like when they were trying to find one car, 
not quite a needle in a haystack, but a car in a gigantic pile of cars. And they didn't. And I just have this theory that at some point they got spooked and thought, you know what? We've got to dig this car up. and We've got to go get him out of that 55-gallon drum and stick him back in this car and drive somewhere towards where he was going to go that night and find somewhere to hide this car. So that's your And theory. that is that's just another theory and on top of all of these others. I mean, the DA thinks that he just got lost and drove off and died. The sheriff says, "Nope, somebody killed him." So the LaGrange sheriff says, "Yes, because the he La- knows." Yes. It, well, the Troop County Sheriff and the Troop County DA have completely different theories about how this happened, and they both worked this case for 30 years in the same office with the same information, and they both have different theories about what happened. And so the DA thinks he just drove off into the water. The DA said, I think it's very possible that he just died in a car accident. He, dro- he drove off into the yeah. water, and the sheriff says, no, there's, there's too much shade. Maybe he'd heard a little on. bit more. You know, the sheriff's down in the weeds more in the community than the DA is, so maybe well, he, he heard may, more stuff from the, from the convicts coming through the jail. Or Well, and he may know a little more about the goings-on at the Moose Club. Mm-hmm. If it's... And that. If, in sir, fact, sure. it's yeah, if it was, shady stuff, it may not have been. It may have just been a... Bar and you might want went. to drop an allegedly right there. Yeah, allegedly. That's there what I'm go. saying. It may have just been a. <laughs> yeah. It may have just been a bar that people went and had a few drinks and left. I mean, and that yeah. was that. Right. Um. So that is interesting that they both have worked the same case with the same information, and they've come out with two completely completely different. different. And there's one. Oh, let me mention this before I forget because this this may be important down the road, and I would hate for us to forget uh, to to mention it. Um, and I think it is the sheriff. Yeah, it's, sheriff, it's former Sheriff Turner at Troop County who says that he was told at one point that before Hyde passed away, he had sold a backhoe to another person in the community. And he went to that person's house and he said, listen, I need to buy back that backhoe. And the guy said, sorry, the backhoe's broken. It doesn't work anymore. And, a, and I'm reading this is from a quote from a story. He said at that point, Hyde reportedly, I've got to get that clink scales blood off the backhoe. The implication being that they dug the car up out of the ground, damaged it with the backhoe in a way that would make it look like maybe it had gone off a ravine into... Into some water. Into some water, perhaps. And if you look at the car, the roof of the car is smashed. The doors stick up higher on the sides than the roof of the car. It's smashed. Mm Mm-hmm. But none, most of the rest of it is completely intact. But if you told me that that car had been smashed, like pushed, pressed down, whatever you call it, in yeah. a junkyard, mm-hmm. I mean, I would buy it. Sure. Just yeah. by looking at the car. Yeah. And so, you know, here's just another dart sticking in the dartboard. We're getting a dartboard where you can't even see the bullseye anymore because there's so many darts in it. And it, it's just, it's 45 years. Maybe the Georgia Bureau of Investigation can find something in the DNA or, or maybe there's a bone fragment with a, with a hole in it, like to indicate a gunshot or, or a stab wound, or, or maybe there's just nothing. And the only resolution that we ever get to this case is that finally Kyle Klinkscale's remains are laid beside his parents' remains in whatever cemetery they're buried in in Troop County, Georgia. And we finally all rest in peace together, I guess. Can we go back over all the possible theories that we've discussed? I would love to. Theory number one is that Kyle was driving home or driving back to college and Mm -hmm. he just drove off of that bridge. In in a place that was three miles from his normal route to Auburn. Into the water. And there is a, if you look online, you can find a map that sort of shows you how he kind of veered off. Oh, I, I, I did Google earth and found the bridge today mm-hmm. and you can kind of see how it's yeah it's not really far out of the way but it's you, you could it makes you go why would he be driving there well he might have a friend way to auburn i mean obviously that could be might have a friend maybe maybe there's a wet county maybe he could go and get a beer on his way back to college <laughs> that you yeah. couldn't get you know a lot of dry counties in south alabama at the maybe, time and still today um, i don't know the gas station situation yeah maybe he's out of gas maybe he had yeah. to go there and get some gas. I don't know. There's there's probably, you know, endless possibilities. So that's one theory. Yeah. The other theory is he was shot to death by Ray Hyde. Right. Sometime that, was- that evening over some sort of dispute. According to at least two witnesses, yes. Did... Was Kyle known to have any kind of? Did you say this earlier that he had gambling debt? No, I was I was okay. speculating about what might have been the cause for this okay. bag of money. 
Uh, gotcha. This alleged bag of money. He may, right. he may have. For some reason, he's supposed to deliver this to Hyde, whether he owes it to him or someone owes it to yeah, him. Yeah, maybe he's or, just a bag man. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, there's $1,000 missing. Can we connect him to, to Ray Hyde in any other form or fashion? Well, the Moose Lodge. You said he was but a member. That's it. But yeah. And I didn't so know that know until an hour he, ago or 20 minutes well, ago. We don't know if he was working with Hyde <laughs> or for Hyde. Could have just been a customer of the Moose Lodge. So the, so those are the, the two possible theories of what happened to Kyle. Are there any other possible theories out there as to what, what I mean, could I, have happened to him? Is it just... I suppose, and I thought about this today. I was thinking about the same thing that you're thinking about right now. I suppose it is possible, conceivably, Katie, I want to know what you think about this, that he could have just had a 22-year-old kid has a heart attack and dies in the front yard, and this guy knows he's a criminal. Oh, shit, I don't need this dead kid in my yard. Let's bury him and hope it all goes away. Those are highly that, I know, oh, I know, but if we're gonna unlikely. if we're gonna do every single thing that there is that's okay. plausible, All right. you okay. gotta do that. Yeah. Maybe the kid's got a heart condition, undiagnosed, and he just drops dead in the yard. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm a criminal and I don't want this kid dead in my property. The likelihood of them proving anything from the remains is slim. Right? Slim. Well based on what we know I about mean, doing the show. Not impossible. So we didn't find a body really. We just found some bones, right? Correct. Like, like right. he's not he's we not disintegrating. Yeah, it's not like he was strapped, like, strapped into strapped the chair in, yeah. and what was left of him and his clothes on. And see that's another thing that bothers me. I'm glad you said that, Katie, because that's another thing that bothers me because that makes it perfectly plausible if you wanted to go this route that is he was his car was buried for twenty years in the junkyard and his uh, his, his car was buried for 20 years in a junkyard. He was buried for 20 years in a, fi- a 55 gallon drum and somebody panics and thinks we need to make this look like an accident. Yeah. Uh, let me What's just, left of him in this, in this barrel. Let Shh. me just say this. Go. I want to go back here. I'm looking at this car and it, it really doesn't look that smashed. Yeah. But look at the roof. You see how that driver's side door yeah, sticks up right. higher than the roof. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And that makes it plausible that yeah, somebody would have taken a backhoe and just banged it, it one time. And or maybe it, it just went off and the roof hit and first went, and yeah, mm-hmm. you know, flipped over. Um you can also and and look guys, we're we're just pulling this up on a quick Google search. So you can find this car and you can take a look at it. Here's a here's a picture from the front and you're looking you can see it's yeah. a little more smashed. Mm-hmm. Um and if you're looking at, if you're going to look it up it's Kyle C L I N K S K A L E S clink scales. Yeah, that's, Kyle. That's that's smashed on the top. Yeah. And it's you know, I mean it's just it, an it old seems car. odd, and of course we'll never know, but it seems odd that one of the stories that these teenage witnesses told that they heard about or whatever was that a backhoe was used to crash in the roof to make it look damaged. And, then, and it certainly looks like the roof took a uh, took a punch. And then we're hearing all of this. from another person that he wanted, Ray wanted the backhoe back. Yeah. So this is yet another person. And that was in quotes. I mean, this was a newspaper saying, article that I read from. I, I did need not to make get that the blood up. off of there. I've got to get that clink scales blood off the backhoe. And that's in quotes. And that's from not the two young kids at the time. That's from a completely different That's person. from a different person. Wow. That's, and that's from a story that some journalists your head. wrote uh, and I, I forget exactly where I got the story. That's the one thing I meant to go back and do it because this is a long story. And I don't know if it was on 11 Alive or if it was uh, the LaGrange paper, but it was very well written. I mean, it was, it was thoroughly researched. Let me say that. So I just, I think it's going to be one of those things where, uh, you know, we just have to be content that some conclusion was finally reached. Well, what do we think that they could find out for us. I mean, what what's left hanging is are the bone fragments that are found in the car in fact Kyle Clink scales. I guess that would be and there was a there is an indication that the sheriff who was uh in Troop County at the time, he got Kyle's dental records and he took DNA samples from both of his parents way back in the day and in in his words, just in case this day ever came. Wow, that that's that's great. Somebody I mean, doing his job, exactly. You know? well, so there will be some con- if there's enough DNA on those bones to link it to Kyle Clink Scales. There is the evidence that they need to do that. If you're go- throwing out wild theories that he's Let's dropping dead in a, I mean, there's a possibility he's not dead. I mean, there's always. Oh, you know what? I didn't even consider that, Katie. That's 
Yeah. What if he, I what mean, if he was the, what if he was in trouble and needed to get away? I don't know. And, and Hyde and Jones helped him do it. I mean, that's, it's, it's not a, it's less plausible than some of the others, but you well, never say never, right? Well, it would be easier yeah. in 76 to do that than, to disappear. than today. Yeah. Yeah, here's my wallet. Drive this thing off in the ditch. I'm going to Mexico. See ya. Mm-hmm. No one ever mentions him being in trouble with, with anybody bad or anything like no. that, do they? No. In your research. Um, I can't find anything. But, but Kyle, if you're out there, I'll give you uh, Kelly Turner's phone number and you oh. can call us later. Okay, maybe we wow. need to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> you're the researcher, Scott. You do the interviews. Yeah. Exactly. Call the call the mediocre journalist and tell him what's call going the on. Cherokee County Post Herald. Yeah, so really. what what do you guys think? It's been a while since we've done this, since we've we've yeah. polled each other um, here. What, yeah, what do you think happened to Kyle Clinkscales? Kyle Wade Clinkscales. Occam's razor, right? The most plausible enjoyed, explanation usually who is the one. Playing basketball in high school. I didn't know that. Who was the only child of John and Louise? Mm-hmm. Bless them. Yeah. And yeah. the 22-year-old, yeah. and let's face it, still a kid. You're oh, sure. years old. Are you kidding? I think about myself at 22. Yeah. And well, he's kid. unmarried. He's going to school. He doesn't have a family of his own at that point. So, right. yeah, I mean. He's, he's still Yeah, he's on, his, he's on his second try, try through, through college. He's, to go through, he's extended adolescence. Yeah, he is. He's there. He's just a big kid. So, he might have gotten involved in something dumb. He's Maybe a he's, really, he's a really nice-looking boy. Um, yeah, good I, know you kid. Can't, I know you can't judge a book rise cover. I don't know what all Kyle was into, but I also don't want to victim blame. Yeah. I don't want to sit here right. and say he was right. into something that he wasn't. I mean, yeah. he was bartending and he was trying to go back to school. So I commend him for that. And I'm like, gosh, I can't imagine being in the shoes of his parents all those years and then passing away and not even knowing they found his car. Yeah. I mean, they have no idea. No, no. They both uh, died before his car was found. I hope they can rest in peace, but here, here's what we can do for them. We can make sure that we get this out there as soon as they report on what they find. We bring that back to light. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that today, Scott. Yeah. But what do you think happened to Kyle Klinkskis? Well, like I said, I mean, the most plausible explanation is usually the right one. They probably shot him and killed him and buried his body in the junkyard. I mean, that. That I've seen enough movies and crime shows to think that that seems like something stupid that some criminal would do to try to get away with murder, and then at some point get spooked and try to plan it an hour away in a creek somewhere, and then the hydraulics go bad or the 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 link goes bad on the hatchback and it pops up in the water one day and here we are. I don't know. We'll never know. Yeah. But that's what I think. Okay. And I'm not just trying to be dramatic. No, no, I That's it. what I think. Right. Katie, what do you think? I think he probably was bartending and then was around some people he shouldn't have been and maybe picked up some extra work that he shouldn't have been doing, mm-hmm. heard something he shouldn't have heard, maybe threatened to tell somebody something he knew or he didn't do a job correctly. And yeah, I think, I think somebody killed him. Uh, yeah, I think the whole part about showing up with the bag of money and getting shot had, I mean, that, that seems... I hate to say it, plausible to me. He did it wrong or didn't have enough money in the bag or mm-hmm. got there late or something. And this criminal who's already a felon, bang, bang. Wow. And and let me let me ask you this. The 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 guy who did time in jail for obstruction of justice, have they proven anything on this guy? They proved that he's a liar. That's about it. But yeah. I don't think that they, I don't think anybody believes, and there's a quote in here in my notes somewhere that I'm going to not be able to find right now, but um, basically the, the gist of it is the guy told us so many different things that we don't know what to believe. So. And, and is he saying that he helped dispose the body? There was, the there's one iteration of the story where he says, look, I helped him, I helped him drag the body into the barn, but I don't remember how he died. And that was after he'd already told the story about hearing the gunshots and seeing the body on the ground. It, at some point, he became more concerned about protecting himself mm-hmm. than he did about getting to the bottom of this case. And I think that's probably why he spent seven years in jail for obstruction of justice and giving false statements to police officers and mm-hmm. all of the other things that you rattle off a minute ago that he did. Um, and, but, you know, they, just, they can't believe anything he says now. Right. 
Right. God, this is so hard for me because I mean, initially I'm leaning towards he just drove yeah. off the bridge, mm. like had an accident. I don't know. But then there's so much of this other dirt that keeps coming up. I mean, a 17 year old kid and a 16 year old kid. And there's, there's versions of the same story in all three of those stories. That doesn't make it true. No, but it's there, but it's there. It's there. And And everybody remembers the same thing different ways. And you don't need to ignore it for sure. So probably foul play, but you know, devil's advocate. I mean, we live in a small town and I mean, sometimes rumors just start for no reason. And some people, yeah, we can all vouch for that. Sure. Certain people, people like talking about more than, others and that could have been this You're guy right. and well and I, I go back to the Glenn Holiday case um, you know we got we were uh, approached about doing that case so many times and we heard so many stories about Glenn Holiday and his Is that time. that feller with the snakes? <laughs> no. no. This is oh. the guy who <laughs> uh, Who is that? Oh that was Summerford. Summerford. Yeah my bad. No this is this is the guy who escaped from the <gasps> jail, jail here. Oh, yeah he was worse. And there were so many stories of him running through town and doing this and doing oh, that. Everyone had a story and none of it was true. And none of it. We, yeah. could, In fact he was only in center long enough to walk up to Main Street and hit you right out of town. Mm-hmm. He was never, he wasn't here longer than 30 minutes after yeah. he was, I would say probably less than that. By the time he got to me, he had burned down the courthouse. <laughs> That's the first and, version and of that story not, that I heard. There was nothing, and, and I'm not saying that he didn't do terrible things. We did a whole episode on it, and you can right. go check that out back in season one. Um, Glenn Holiday and, and the terrible things that he did, but they were not here in center Alabama, yeah. they were in another town, another county, um, and then they found him in Florida, ultimately. So that's why I just keep leaning back to these small towns with these wild stories. And honestly, I guess all of this dirt that we keep talking about that keeps coming up about about Kyle and, and everything. So I guess I'm what I'm saying is it wouldn't shock me if it is finally determined that he truly just had a car accident. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, I guess... It's yeah. much more fun to speculate that all this craziness happened than yeah. to just go, you know what, maybe he uh, dropped a cigarette in the floorboard and reached down to get it and veered off the road. and Maybe so, but yeah. with all of this other I get stuff it. that keeps coming up, it, it shouldn't shock us either if he was shot to death and his body was concealed mm-hmm. in car thrown into the water Maybe, by some I, nefarious characters. Yeah. yeah, and I did, I, I watched the uh, the press conference from last month again today before I came here and the uh, the current DA in Troop County says, it's GBI says, it's going to be a few months before they get to the bottom of it. But, you know, whenever that happens, if and I've, I've got, I follow them on my Facebook page now. So when they... We uh, will do an update. Yes, mm-hmm. we'll have an update. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much. Hey, guys, we've got some shout-outs to do. We have a couple of... Co- I, have, um, I have a couple. Can someone pull up the um, the Apple podcast? Do we get a new review? We have some reviews from December. My friend Laura Leak, I went to see her on Saturday. She is a, a longtime friend of mine. We had lunch together on Saturday. She did not know about the podcast, but I told her about it, and she already has gone home and told all of her family about it. That's wonderful. So they're going to start listening. So, Laura, thank you. Shout out. Yes, thank you very much for being a listener. And Connie is one of the ones who... Um, Connie Gamer Harp. Con- yes, Con- I know her. Uh huh. She commented, gave us a very oh, lovely yes. review back in December. Thank you so much, Connie. And then there was a review right before Connie's. Who? Who's yes, um, from Brandon Thompson. Thank you. Who he stopped me at one of the basketball games uh, a few weeks ago and was telling me that he listened and and I appreciate that. Yeah. And, um, yes. Thank you so much. I told him they needed to come on out to a live show. They do and buy a shirt yeah. for their loved ones for Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, because we got a box full and we can't buy any more until we. Get rid of all of those. <laughs> but thank you so much. If you go to Apple Podcasts and you leave us uh, five stars, that is fantastic. Yeah. If you comment on those five stars, we can give you a shout out. If uh-huh. you just go and click five stars, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that you've done that, so we can't give you a shout mm-hmm. out if you would comment on them. Yeah. And one, two, three, or four stars, just don't. Just stay home. Yeah. I mean, we're... We want to go all the way. We're a five-star show. Yeah, we are, we are a first date, all of the way kind of guy. Uh, we want five stars the first time. I also see that we had a, I don't, did we ever shout out, we had a 
from a Libby. We had a review back in November. I don't know if okay. we gave her a shout out. Well, let's my, give her another My friend one. Libby who hangs out at, uh, oh, at the bar here sometimes. Thank you, Libby. Yeah, she's if, a sweetheart. Thank you, Libby. Yes, thanks, we, Libby. We appreciate all of our listeners mm-hmm. and all of our supporters. And um, come back next week. Where we'll have another. We're going to do this again phase. next week. A, I'm so excited. Podcast. I don't know what we're doing. Are we going to tell anybody? No, it's we're a not secret. ever going to do that, Scott. Oh, damn it! I hate it when we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Are you all right for me to do that thing that I do at the end? Yes. Good night, everybody. <laughs>